0: Yes people It is Thursday Which means It is your new episode of Echo Chamber In the house So as we do We are going to start off with The top 10 films Streaming in the UK From the 9th to the 15th Of December So At number 10 this week, we got the Lord of the Rings Trilogy, because once you watch one, you gotta watch them all, and Peter Jackson definitely made some classics here, you know what I mean, even the Hobbit Trilogy, it's not quite as good, but it's still solid people. Still solid At number 9 We've got Charles Martin Smith's A Christmas Gift For Bob Which starred Lee Treadmore Christina Tituri Anna Wilson And Nina Wadao So at number 8 We have got Sam Mendes, 1917 So this one starred George McKay, Dean Chapman Richard Manden And Benedict Cumberbunch In at number 7, it is One of those Christmas staples, right It's the Polar Express So this is from Robert Zumakis And it starred Tom Hanks Daryl Sabara Eddie Deason and Michael Jeter. At number six, people, it is another one of our Christmas classics. It is John, Christopher Columbus, my bad. Home Alone, right? Home Alone. (laughs) So obviously, this was Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, Catherine O'Hara. Which means at number 5 this week It was number 1 last week But it's number 5 It is Nick Caro's live action Remake of Mulan So this starred Lu Yifi Jet Li Yen. So we're Into uh, the home stretch And at number 4 it is Another Christmas staple It's Richard Curtis's A Love Actually So this one Hugh Grant, Kieran Knightley Liam Neeson And um Lincoln Andrew Lincoln (laughs) I I just thought of my man from Walking Dead Andrew Lincoln Yep and it's a, it is a nice film, you know what I mean? It, it, it catches you in the feels, man. So at number three, we got Yarrow Cheney and Scott Moose's The Grinch. So this starred uh, Benedict Cumberbunch, Cameron Seeley, Keenan Thompson, and Pharrell Wilson. So at number two, We've got a newer film <laughs> So this is Last Christmas from Paul Faig. And it starred Emily Clark Henry Golding Emma Thompson and Michelle You So at number one people It is a One of those classic Christmas films It's John Favreau's Elf Yeah you know me, this one starred Will Farrell, Zoe Dachanel, James Kahn, and Jean Favreau. So, people, this week we have three films for you, but before we get to those, let's check this out. Okay, sit back and let's go. There has been a lot. Happening in the world of film This year You know, we've seen You know, films be Delayed, like months Some films have been delayed A year, some films Have been pushed back two years Right? Because they initially went back a year And then with All the other movement, they're like We cannot compete with what's coming out at the same time. So, yeah, they've dropped back a further year. It's put everything into disarray. Cinemas have, you know, they've been shut due to all the different phases and tiers that have been happening And a lot of chains have talked about the possibility that they may never be able to come back. Right? Because, you know, they've been shut. So, they're not making any money. So, the other day, Warner Brothers made a huge announcement. Right? Made a huge announcement. So, starting from... Christmas Day. Right? Because Wonder Woman 1984 is going to be dropping on the 25th of December in America. In the UK, I believe it's hitting cinemas on the 16th. But yes, in America, maybe Canada, um, it's Christmas Day. And it's hitting HBO Max. So then... All of their films in 2021 will be doing the same thing They will also be hitting HBO Max And director Christopher Nolan is not happy He is not happy at all You know, um Yeah, he's had a lot to say. (laughs) He has had a lot to say, which does make you wonder. Will he be working with Warner Brothers in the future? You know, will a lot of big directors be working with Warner Brothers in the future? Though, I do believe that... I think some of this is... Well, I think it's blown out of proportion Right, I I think it's blown out of proportion And I also think that cinemas They're partly to blame Cinemas are partly to blame for their own demise Right If you remember way, way back with CDs Right, and Tower Records There was a big Tower Records in London, at Piccadilly Circus, and, you know, HMV had been open for years, and you could go into HMV and buy, you know, they were always running certain deals, right, sometimes you could buy, you know, five DVDs for £20, or, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever offer they were doing, but even when there wasn't an offer, the CDs were a lot cheaper than you know, Tower Records, and in the end, Tower Records had to shut, because people stopped going there, and they blamed their demise on, you know, iTunes, and digital downloads, when it was them being greedy on their pricing model, and cinemas have done the same thing, cinemas have gone from, you know, I know in the UK, like, You could go, as a kid, I could go to the cinema with five pounds, right? Five pounds. And that's cinema ticket, bus fare there and back, and some sweets and a panda pop in the newsagent across the way. You're all for five pounds, people. Now, going to the cinema, you're dropping, what, like... 30, 35 pounds, just on tickets, that's not including travel, it's not including snacks, right, not including a meal afterwards, so your day out, remember people, cinema used to be called the cheap date, right, the affordable date, it's not so much anymore, you it's not so much. You look at the confectory in a cinema and the markup is over 100%. Right? You go to a supermarket and a bag of MMMs might be 80p, right? Something like that. In the cinema, they're, they're three pounds. It, it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> How the fuck are they that much more expensive? You no. Know, if if the cinema put up look if they put a little bit of markup on you'd be like yeah whatever it's fine so you say that adp in the supermarket cinema charged a pound you'd be like yeah whatever i'm i'm fine with that but 3 pounds come on man that's ridiculous it's ridiculous And when, you know, Netflix and Amazon Prime and all of these spots came up, it was the opportunity for cinemas, they could have all come together and set up their own streaming service. You know, if they all funded it between themselves, right, then there would be no arguments, because they could all make from the revenue. But they didn't do it. Didn't do it. They, they did a blockbuster Right Blockbuster slept on Netflix And then Went bust Went bust So Nolan Complaining I think you have to You know you have to look at the cinemas As well But here's the situation Yes Warner Brothers are putting Their titles on HBO Max But It's day and day release Right, so the films are still hitting the cinema (laughs) The films are still hitting the cinema And they're gonna be on HBO for a month And a month only Then they leave the service So, yes It is a way for, you know, Warner Brothers to basically boost HBO Max Right? Because from all accounts, the subscribership isn't great. So they've taken away the free trial. You know, so now if you want HBO Max, you gotta subscribe properly for HBO Max. You know, they're definitely looking for ways to get subscribers. So if you think, oh, if I have HBO Max. I at least get to see all of these films. And especially if you're feeling uncomfortable about going into big public spaces. Yeah, it's a cheap move, but why not? Right? Because the films are still hitting the cinema. And everyone that keeps on talking, keeps on saying, oh, cinema will be dead If films are released at the same time. No. No. It's it's a dishonest statement. It's a real dishonest statement. Because there's certain studios that already do this. As some of the smaller, you know, indie studios, they do that. And it's fine. They still make money. And here's the thing: going to the cinema, it's it's an experience. Is not everyone can afford huge, huge, like big screens and projectors and sound systems in the house. Now, look, you know, the, the cost of TVs has gone down, right? So, most people, I imagine, have got a flat screen TV. And I imagine most people have got something that's at least 32 inches. Like, supposedly, I feel 32 is meant to be big, right? Because for me, I, I, I think, yeah, I got 50, right? Because anything smaller, I can't see that shit. But even on my screen, look, I, you know, It's a a real nice TV You know It it was mad affordable Because (laughs) I'm not dropping a grand on a TV That's crazy right now But it's a nice TV It's a nice picture I mean (laughs) for my needs Anyway But there's a different experience When you see it in the cinema You know The sound is different Just the feel It's different different, like, it's an experience, and there's certain films that you will say to yourself, I need to see that in the cinema, I cannot watch that at home, it's not going to be the same, right, there's certain films that everyone will go, I need to see that in the cinema, you know, like, listen, say what you will about them, but a Fast and the Furious film, People will want to see that in a cinema, you know, something like June, you'd want to see that in the cinema, right, the stuff that you might go, ah, I could probably watch that at home, I would say that's more akin to like a Woody Allen film, you know what I mean, just a lot of people talking, don't get me wrong, I would still go and see a you know a film like that, like Linklater's Before Trilogy. I saw Before Midnight in the cinema. You know what I mean? Because I love those films. I will see anything in the cinema. I saw Supernova in the cinema, and it was great. It's such a incredible film. Stanley Tucci, Colin Firth. You read what a cast, right? Now, that's not big action, but seeing it in a cinema was, had the best experience. You know, uh, seeing Premature in a cinema, that was incredible. Pink Wall, you know, they they are films that you might go, hey, you could watch them on TV, but no, seeing him in a cinema is just a richer experience. So, look, there's... A ton of people that will always go when they can and watch something in the cinema. Now, what it means to have it released at home, you now allow those people that can't get out. You know, the, the pe- those single parents, right? Single parents, they might not have the money to be able to... Go to the cinema all the time, and if it's if they do have the money, it's getting a babysitter. You know, being able to match the babysitter time up with the time it's actually showing. You will know, be able to do that. There's some films that come out that are at, only out at weird times that don't always align with people's work schedules. So you then allow those people to see the film. And not wait months before it's, you know, on its DVD cycle. And then, oh, now it's, you know, on TV in general. You know, you're opening things up. And just, look, there's some people that just never go to the cinema. They don't like going to the cinema because, let's be honest, right? Some cinemas, they're just not good, right? Whether it's just shitty seats, right? They're freezing cold or the staff are terrible. They never screen check. So there might be problems with the screens. There might be people talking all the way Through a fucking film. All the way through a film. You know. Which the staff are meant to pick up on. And stop. And you go to some places. And they don't. Right. But if that's your local cinema. Why are you going to go and spend your money. Right. When every single time. There's bullshit happening. So. Yeah. Look. Look this new model, which is only for next year, right, that's what Warner Brothers have said, it's just for next year, it opens things up, right, it opens things up, and maybe, maybe they carry it on, you know, because, yeah, I will admit, it is probably a test, right, it is is probably a test, and if it's successful, they will most likely continue it, maybe not with everything, but definitely with some stuff. But, right, as long as they're releasing it in the cinema at the same time, what really is the issue? What's really... Because you're still going to get people going. It's the same as going to a festival, going to a concert, right? Right? A lot of that shit is streamed, you know. But it's a different experience. It's a different experience going live. The energy, right? Just the feel of it all. But um, yeah, Nolan doesn't necessarily feel the same. You know, he's had uh, he's had things to say, right? Um. He said in 2021, they've got some of the top filmmakers in the world. They've got some of the biggest stars in the world who work for years in some cases on these projects very close to their hearts that are meant to be big screen experiences. They're meant to be out there for the widest possible audience, and now they're being used as a loss leader for the streaming service, for the fledgling streaming service without any consultation, so there's a lot of controversy, it's a very, 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 very messy, a real bait and switch, yeah It's sort of not how you treat filmmakers and stars and people who these guys have given a lot of these projects. They deserve to be consulted and spoken to about what was going to happen to their work. Hmm. I mean, he's kind of, there's a point in that. I will say that. But, yeah, some of these shit, very scathing. Right He also said Some of our industry's biggest filmmakers And most important movie stars Went to bed the night before Thinking they were working for the greatest movie studio And woke up to find out They were working for the worst streaming service (laughs) (laughs) I mean You know Right? It's like in a relationship, you know, you have an argument, and sometimes someone says something which you just can't come back from. You know what I mean? You just can't come back from. And I wonder is this what Nolan has done? You know, he, he, he has a point that it, it might have been nice for Warner Brothers to kind of mention. What their plan was, but let's be fair, they paid, you know, they paid the director, they paid the, you know, the, the, the actors and actresses, the, you know, the, the writers, the producers, all of those people, they all got paid, right, so it, it's not really their project, you know, it's work for hire, if you want to use a comic book term. So in in some respects Warner Brothers didn't have to tell anyone. But you know, it, like it's it would it, it would have been nice, it's common courtesy, you feel, to mention it, to let people know what they're what they're thinking, what the plans are. But listen, as I said, I feel this this opens things up, right? It opens things up. Nolan said that, you know, it, 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 they're meant to be for the wide, widest audience, but by doing this, it is open to the widest audience. Now, it's just down for cinema to show why should people come? Why should people spend their money in your spot, right? Now some cinemas are doing it right. Everyman Cinema, that's that's the the times I've been. It's a great experience. You know, comfortable seats. You can get tr- alcohol if you want, food if you want. It's nice, man. You know, I, the the staff are mad friendly. I had a good experience, so. When you go to something like that You go, alright, I could pay a bit more for these seats But if you're just going to a normal cinema You're sitting in normal seats Why the fuck am I paying this price? Right, what is the offer here? So yeah it, it, I feel it's up to the cinema to kind of Redefine their offer You know, show people why they should come You know because Hey they've just been charging and charging And but not changing the experience for the user So yeah Let's see how cinema reacts Let's see how this all goes But end of the day people People are still going to the cinema It's not dead Dead Okay, people, if you are wondering what to be doing with your time and you live in the UK, well, don't fear, because Sci-Fi London has returned. That is correct, people. It is the 20th edition of the festival. It kicked off... um. On Tuesday the 8th of December And it is running all the way through To Sunday the 13th Okay, it's got a stacked program Of um, just great things Right, so um, Yeah, from Well, it has started today And it's running all the way through To uh, Sunday is hack stock right Um, now this started in 2015 right and uh, it is the natural antidote to so many corporate events that were all about selling a new wave of accessible immersive tech without wanting to question the potential outcomes and effects on society so for 2020 again we are delivering an eclectic mix of art and tech cocktails so people go check it out it's completely free and um yeah it is um getting uh, brought to you by um the good folks at Psych fi and sci-fi london Right, so along with that, you will be able to watch a host of different films. Yep, so there's going to be um, feature films showing, such as... So, um, you know, tomorrow you've got The American Astronaut, A Report on the Party and the Guests... On Saturday is Truth or Consequences, um, along with Skyman. And on Sunday is I Am Ren. So you've got all of those to look forward to. Plus a host of short films, right? I believe um, we have things such as, um, what have we got? Well, we've got um, Polvotron 500, Next Time, Muse, Moment, um, M1 Das Logan Lee and the Rise of the Purple Dawn, Living Things, In Absentia, Hypernova, Guardian Angel, Exit, Doppelbanger, you know, Datus Oteos, The Idol of God, you know, Clear Gold, Circle of Stone, Cellapod, see, these are just a few of the, um, I believe there's 48 films, people, 48 short films for you to watch, which, hey, how good is that? <laughs> you know what I mean? How good is that? But uh, along with um, our feature films and short films, there's also a number of talks. Right? So, um, happening tomorrow, there is a conversation that I will be having with the incredible, the lovely Amy Rutledge... You know, you last saw her in Rent-A-Pal. Okay. Um, Then, after that, we will also be talking to the extremely talented Christopher Soren Kelly and Jessica Clark Graham, you know, who, um, yeah, brought you the Tangle last year. So, I'm going to be talking to them about, you know, Making the film, along with, you know, their influences and thoughts on the sci-fi genre. Uh, on Saturday, there's a, a two-part series called Filmmakers in Lockdown. Um, so you can hear from Keaton Majmada, okay, um, Jay Adams, uh, Sebastian Alibos, um, and Roger Commons, so they're, they're gonna be talking about, well, <laughs> as it says on the tin, you know, what I mean, creating films during lockdown. Um, yeah, so that's a, a two part situation. Um, now also on Saturday is a London centric, okay? So, um, Kofi Clatch. so, um. Ian Waits is gonna be, um, you know, talking to a lot of authors because um, yeah, Ian he runs New Con Press, right? So they they've just got an anthology coming out called Tales of Future London. So you're gonna be able to hear from the the likes of Ida Keo, Aaliyah Whitehall. Andrew Wallace, Joseph Elliot Coleman, Stuart Hudson, and Mike Kerry. as they talk about yeah creating this anthology. Then, um, also on Saturday is a a a live table read on uh, Dan Dare. Yeah, it's his seventieth anniversary, so. Um, yeah, they are gonna be doing a very spy spoiler, a very special live table read of Colonel Dan Dare's first ever adventure, voyage to Venus. <laughs> so all you uh, Dan Dare fans, you have that to look forward to. Uh, so then on Sunday, there's gonna be uh, Robbie the robots waiting. Um, so, you can join a very live Zoom panel uh, with the host of sci-fi podcast, Robbie the Robots Waiting, in this first ever live version of their podcast. So, um, that sounds extremely fun. And, although... You know the festival is gone onto cyberspace this year. You will still be getting SciFido, so that's taking place on Sunday. Um, then there's going to be Clark to Clark, which is um, basically a uh, a conversation between Tade Thompson and Namwali Serpil. Who are Arthur C. Clarke Award winners? So, um, yeah, you know, one won in 2019, the other 2020. So, uh, that should be extremely interesting. And it's all going to be closing with um, Colin Goldie, right? So, he's going to be talking about the art of editing. Now, Goldie has, he's worked on a slew of huge, huge films, you know, um, He he's worked on the Ronald Dahl biopic, um, an Alan Moore film, you know, he worked on Rogue One, so yeah, that's definitely going to be something that you will want to tune into into people now to to watch and take part in the festival you can um buy a festival pass right so that's 20 pounds and it then allows you to watch all the features and the short films you know so definitely well worth doing or you can uh yeah, just pay for single access of things, which I think ranges between 3 and £5. So, um, people, what is not to love about this, right? Don't miss out. Go check out this year's Sci-Fi London and our international peoples. You might not be able to watch the films, okay? But. You can, I believe, take part in the um, the talks and all of that. So, yeah, people, make sure you tune in. Check all of that out. And remember, tomorrow, I'm talking to Amy Rutledge and Christopher Soren Kelly and Jessica Clark Graham. So, you do not, people, people you do not want to miss that. Oh, and on Saturday, I spoke to... um. Hannah Gianti about her film um, well it's an ex, ex, an expletive uh, documentary right it's a uh, truth and consequences so yeah I was able to um, have a very interesting conversation with um, Hannah and her producing partner. Sarah So um, she does have a surname It is long Complicated and I um, Always mess it up So <laughs> I'm just going to say Sarah but uh, yeah people There is so much content Do not miss out Alright have fun Okay people So now we've done All of that Let's get into this week's reviews. Pop that popcorn and let's get it cracking. Okay, so I was a little bit intrigued when I saw it. Because you can't beat a bit of a spy thriller, right? An espionage, an assassin, all of that kind of thing. We've had some great films in that genre. I mean, Leon being one of the tops, right? Uh, the Bourne films, you know? I mean, apart from, yeah, uh, apart from the one with Hawkeye, which, I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't what we really wanted, you know? But, um, yeah, we've had some good ones, so I thought I'll check out Ava, you know? But it's uh, just hit... On Netflix, and it seemed like it could possibly be, uh, you know, intriguing, right? So um, it's got a good cast, you know, good people behind it. Directed by Tate Taylor, who people might remember from, you know, he did the Help, which, all right, yeah, not great. Get on up, the girl on the train, and Ma. Now. All pretty big films, right? So, yeah, he directed. uh, It's from a screenplay by Matthew, uh, Matthew Newton. It's produced by Nicholas Chartier, Dominic Rustman, Jessica Chastain, and Kelly Carmichael. The music is by Bear McCreary. Our cinematography is Stephen Goldblatt, edited by Zach Stenberg. And the um, the cast, well, it's a good cast, right? We've got Jessica Chastain as Ava Faulkner. We've got Gina Davis as Bobby Faulkner, her mother. Um, we've got Jess Wexler as Judy Faulkner, her sister. He got Common, who is playing Michael, her um ex-fiance, and now her sister's fiance. <laughs> yeah. Messy, right? Uh we got John Malkovich as Duke, her handler. Colin Farrell as Simon, uh Duke's boss. Yeah, you know, um, Joan Chen as Tony. You know, it, it, it's got a a decent cast, and it starts off right. So um, yeah, we're watching it, and they they pull a car pulls into the airport. Guy gets in, and we have got. You know, Jane, Huda, Chastain is the um, is the driver. Now, I was thrown a little bit because, um, yeah, it's subtitled. And I'm thinking, okay, I didn't know this was a foreign film. But then it hits, gets into English. But the car's getting followed by a motorcycle. So I'm just like, okay, what is happening here? You know, obviously there's something going down. And, um, yeah, opens up and it's this obviously, it's a hit, right? So, this hit goes down. It's a little bit odd, right? And the whole motorcycle thing isn't fully explained, but you definitely know there is something happening like something happening. And, um, yeah, it then kind of goes from there. We have her jump on a plane, but then, there is this long credit sequence, which, like, it doesn't really do anything, right, you get flashes of stuff on the screen, you know, like, her... University records and that kind of thing. Then some video footage of the army and, you know, some car accidents and police reports and stuff like that. But it's this whole montage that we don't really need. You know, it just seems way too long. You know, so you you get the feeling that, okay, so she was in the army, right? So she possibly knows Duke from the army. It's this whole thing. But it's just really long, right? It's really long, and you kind of think, I don't know what's this. I don't know. I don't know. Is this really serving a purpose? You know, it, it wants to give you this back history without really having a clear back history. You know, just showing some connections, you know, Duke and Simon, all of that, money, boom, boom, boom. But yeah, it, it just doesn't really connect. We then have her, you know, because she's back on the plane, she's gone back to Boston, you know, where where her family lives. And um You know, we have her go to see her sister sing, which is fine. And you can see that, you know, the relationship is is not good, right? There's not a good relationship between her, her sister, her mum. It's all very off, very off key. And it just feels a little bit Bit like we need to be filled in on some stuff, right? Because you're kind of thinking, why would anyone put themselves through this shit, right? What, why are you just sitting there taking all of this stuff? But it's always uh, like the arguments don't really feel like proper arguments. It's just kind of like someone's going, act like you're mad. Like, act really mad and then walk off, or blah, blah, And, you know, it's just like, w- 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 what's happening here? Like, what's ha- Like, what is the point of all of this? You know, I mean? so we, we have this, and while all of this stuff is going on, like, she's still got some missions to do. You know, we have like there's there's a, a, a mission in one place, and we, we just see all these things go down and things go wrong and stuff like that. She's worried, you know, that everything might be imploding. But it, it's kind of like she knows. Like, it's it, the weird thing is, like, she knows that she's doing... Thi- like, she's been doing these things that are getting frowned upon. And she's already been in trouble for. So, it, it's a bit like... Listen, you got caught once doing this stuff. Why would you even bother do it again? And then, why would you kind of wonder? Because you know... Like, you, you know what the situation is. And we get these back and forths between her and, you know, Malkovich. Her and her family. And it, it's just, it's a, all a little bit tiresome. Like, it all, it just doesn't really come off as fulfilling. You know what I mean? It, it just feels a little bit flat. We got Malkovich, he's goes and confronts Farrell about the whole situation. And I think Farrell's character is just meant to be this businessman, you know, very calculating and very just calm and, hey, it's business. It's business, you know, we got to do it. All right. I know you like a Duke, but we got to do it. You know what I mean? And it's just a bit like, huh. It doesn't come off as menacing, right? It just doesn't come off as menacing. He's got one daughter with him who he he gets to do some work and stuff like that. And you can understand, look, they're trying to give you this intimidating kind of sense of things, but it just doesn't work. You know, there's, like, these hits that go wrong. Just all of this situation, which you would think, okay, right? You have to understand everything is closing in. Oh, one big thing that's going through the book, she used to be an alcoholic, right? So that's the thread. And you, look, when you, I think in a film like this, when you um hear someone used to be an alcoholic, You know what's going to happen, right? You know exactly what is going to happen and how it's going to tie into things. And yeah, it does. It does. But it, it does in a way that, like, as soon as it happens, you know what's coming next, right? You know exactly. What's coming next? And it's just a bit like uh why why is it so predictable? Like the people get killed, and you kind of think there's not really a reason for it, right? There, that didn't need to happen. Didn't need to happen. So why? Can you explain why? Like, another thing was um, this whole situation at the end, after Ava gets drunk. Like, this whole thing goes down. And then it just stops. And you're just like, well you've admitted to doing a certain thing, so how do you feel that you can walk away? Like, there's these situations that just make no sense, right? And yes, they're there to kind of, I feel they want to show that, oh, yeah, it's only business, or, oh, that person's ruthless. But it just never really connects, right? You see, you can get a sense of what they're trying to do, but it doesn't ever really, doesn't ever really connect, doesn't ever really feel substantial feeling, you know. And they end it in a way where I think you can possibly get a, uh, you know, possibly get a sequel. You know, there's this whole situation of, ooh, what are they gonna, do? you know what I mean, and you're just like, ugh, do we want that, like, do we want a sequel, I don't think we're gonna get one, I don't know, maybe we will, like, yeah, I kind of feel that like they want to turn this potentially into a tent pole. you know, Have her as a, you know, that female-born type character. You know, maybe make her like the saint or something. I don't know. But, yeah, you get the sense of that's what they want to do. Right? The, The whole thing with her and Michael, her ex, again, it's just this weird thing that just never fleshed out right? You you just have all of this stuff going on, and you understand, oh, there's more to it. There's obviously more to all of this, but we don't know it, so we don't care. Like, why would we care about, you know, what's going on? You know, because you just haven't really given us a reason to. You haven't given us enough to think Oh, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. Oh man, that's crazy. Whoa. No, you're not you're just not invested in any of the characters. One little bit. Yeah. It's, it's a bit of a shame, but yeah. I don't know. Now I I I imagine, you know, I, I, I imagine fans of um Oh god there was a film with um uh like peppermint okay so the Jennifer Garner one peppermint i mean if you enjoyed that then yeah i think you could possibly like like this and also um oh god there was the the the, the film with um, oh my god, Colombiana is it Columbiana? It had um, surely from Guardians of the Galaxy in it. Ah, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Like she plays Gamora in Guardians. Um, yeah, like if you're a fan of that, then I've. Think this would ring true? You know, I think you might enjoy this. It, it's just—I don't know. It, it's not. I didn't feel it's up there with you know something like the Bond films. Don't it, it just falls a little bit flat? You know, it just doesn't fully deliver. Like I I think we've had we've had better stuff come out, you know? Which yeah, it's a shame. But I don't know. It it kind of is what it is, right? I would say. But it's on Netflix, you know, so if you are a fan, yeah, you can go check it out. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be sitting there for a while. You know, so, uh, yeah, uh, there you go, people. Ava Gangster films are definitely ones which I think a lot of people think they can make a gangster film, right? Because we've had those classics the ones everyone talks about you know your casinos your uh, scarfaces you know what I mean your godfathers right just those classic ones like johnny brasco man there's goodfellas i <laughs> can't forget my fucking goodfellas right great films And so you get people trying to do them. You know, like, listen, we've had some good British ones. You know, Lock, Stock, Snatch, Layer Cake, Love, Honor, and Obey. You've also got those ones that don't quite hit it. But it is a a kind of a genre of film which you find people churning them out. So there is a, a level of fatigue about it. But I was intrigued. I was really intrigued to check out Silent Night. The new film from uh, um oh my gosh, Will Fawn. <laughs> I'm like Has I done? Yeah, Will Fawn. <laughs> now, like, because you know, Will is Like, he's talented, man. And then you see the people involved in the film. And you're like, okay. All right, you know what? I'm going to check this out. Even though there is a Christmas theme to it. And I was a bit like, oh. Are they all going to be dressed up as Santa or something? Like, how is this going to go? How is it going to go? But, listen. Leave prejudice at the door. Going open mind. So, um, listen, as I said, look, the, the cast and everything, everyone involved, straight up talents, right? So, Will, he's written it, he's directed, he's produced it along with um, Jude Tillard, Bradley Taylor, Mark Lacey and Verity F- Fiction. Ooh, good name. Um, We've got music by Kieran Merrick. Cinematography is Malcolm Hadley. Uh, And then, as I said, look, the cast, right? So um, we've got Bradley Taylor as Mark, who's our kind of lead protagonist. Um, We've also got Carrie Cranston, as Alan, who uh, also plays a big part in this, we've got Frank Harper as Caddy, one of the uh, criminal bosses, Nathaniel Martello White, he plays Pete, Joel Fry as Seamus, hey, that's Pete's brother, I think the brothers, I think, yeah, I believe they're brothers, or friends, I forget, God damn it. My memory is so bad, man. Um, You've got Sarah Lee as Nikki. She works for Caddy. Uh, We've got um, Jackie Howe as Tony. She also works for uh, Caddy. Angela Terrence plays Julia. That's Mark's ex. Um, Teddy Robson. He plays Ted and he works for Caddy. A lot of people work for Tad Caddy, you know what I mean? Um, Orina or, hmm, Rodriguez Cuva. She plays Daisy. That's Mark's daughter. Uh, Badia Lukman Lok, plays her son. Manjul Dandra plays Ola, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, as I said, it's a, it's a real good, it's a really good cast. A lot of recognizable faces here. And the gist of the story is this, okay? So, recently released from prison, Mark attempts to reconnect with his daughter and hopes to give her a Christmas to remember. Struggling to find work, he meets Alan, his former cellmate who encourages him to return to a life of crime, a decision made easier when Caddy, a ruthless crime boss, blackmails him into doing one last job so um yeah I think look as I said look when you when you look at the the plot. There are a lot of similarities to other things that we've seen, right? So you do think, hmm, how is this going to play, right? What kind of film have we got here? So, um, you know, it, all, it opens up with um, a lot of Christmas lights and all of that, which does, yeah, does make you wonder, does make you wonder, and then we've got um, a white van, right? Um, now, it, it does transpire that that's where old Mark has been sleeping. So, I think straight away we get uh, an understanding that life outside of jail isn't particularly going that well for him. But, um, you know, wh- he straight away, we get him um going to meet his daughter, so you know that's an important part of his life right and he and he's trying to um make some changes now his ex partner she isn't like she's concerned, and that's understandable you know what I mean you don't want um you know, a bad influence around your daughter who could possibly put her life in danger or just unbalance everything. So, there's some talk on money and the situations. So, we do know okay, things are a little precarious, and you and you kind of then have that fulcrum to f- what. Could lead Mark back. On that rocky road. You know. He's at the uh job centre. Trying to find work. And there's like. You know. Dis- discussions. Right. They want him to be living in a certain place. He obviously doesn't. So it's just like. And he really wants work. So we, we have him find work right he's doing some wood wood stuff chopping up um trees all of that kind of thing that's where he bumps into his old old cellmate Alan and these interactions they are interesting because you you look at it and you see mark as the Quiet, kind of um, introverted, thoughtful type. And Alan, as that cocky, yeah, we're going to do a job, right? ayy Why are we putting up with him, eh? Why are we putting up with him and all these talk? We don't deserve that. We need to get this job. Get some money. Fuck them. Fuck them all. Yeah, he's that type right, and that's what you get, and it always feels a little uncomfortable, always feels a little dodgy, and you do think to yourself, right, you you kind of think, why the fuck is Mark hanging around with this dude, because you can see that just it's never gonna go well. You know what I mean? Never gonna go well. But he's always there. Always there. You know, so you, you, there is that. And it just seems... Yeah. It, it does seem that Mark is making some real bad choices. You know mean? Really bad choices. And he needs to... Uh, he needs to course correct. There's obviously, things are just, you know, they're never going to change. You know, they're never going to change. And he gets dragged back in. Right? He gets dragged back in to um, work with his old, old boss. But around that, there is, there are issues. Right, there are issues that hmm, bring him, like that sent him away, that made him do the time. But nothing's ever really it's it like nothing's ever really talked about. Nothing's really sorted out and adjusted. But you know what I mean? all of this craziness, at least there are a few decent people, you know what I mean, there are a few decent people that um, you think, okay, okay, right, and that's um, Seamus, you know, played by Joel Fry, who, uh, yeah, always... Always puts in those good performances, Van. Always does. So you have him. And he just seems very affable. You know what I mean? Very fun, nice, sincere. And then, yeah, he, he's, uh, let's say, brother. Let's say, we'll call him his brother for sure right now. Even though it might just be friend, Joel. Right? So um, we, we have... Uh, sorry, Pete, who's, mm, I mean, that situation is a little bit, but they seem to sort it out, so everything is fine, right, and so we have this story, and it's flowing along, and it's interesting, because, you know, he's trying to do this one last job, but he's trying to you know, get around, and, and make sure everything is cool, so, you know, he can have Julia happy with him, Daisy, you know, her life gets improved, maybe they get back together, you know, even if they don't, at least it will just be civil and good, you know, some amicable situation, just easy, nice, right, that's, that's the goal, that is the goal. Ooh, things don't always go as planned. Things don't always go as planned. And I have to say, right, it's not a fast-paced story, you know? But that's fine, right because it is all, it all makes sense. You know, apart from the whole Allen situation, yeah, you'd say it all makes sense. So you know, what I mean, you're not looking at it and go, ah, you know, that's not going to happen, and that's not that, and blah blah blah. And none of these people, that they're they're not over the top. You know, all everyone, everyone involved really hits their role well. You know, what I mean, like very believable. Um yeah, I I, I would definitely say that, you know, Frank Harper is caddy, you know, he just seems that slimy shithead, (laughs) you know what I mean, that slimy shithead that, you know, was always, always wants to be the top shotter, right, always wants to be the big guy, and I think you, you see it like Things have changed a bit, but he doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want to, so, you've got to, yeah, you've got to follow in everything that he says, otherwise, it's not going to go well, because he's just a nasty piece of shit, right, You've got the, t- t- you know, the others who are a bit like, uh, a bit dodgy, a bit suspect, especially Ted, right, he wants to be in, he wants to be in that inner circle, you know, So he'll do anything, he's the new lap dog, so yeah, you, like, just, everything is just like, you're, you're feeling, going, okay, yeah, 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 nice, and you know, when they're out doing the, um, doing the biz, I, it, yeah, it, it's working, and it is flowing, and you're just, like, okay, like, all the scenarios, like, even, like, the, you know, the Christmas party, and the way people are greeting, and all of this, it, it just works, we've got, like, good, good camera shots, like, good, the way all the scenes are set, it always feels like, yeah, 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 yeah. that does feel like that sort of party that person would throw, you know, that feels like a, um, you know, a greasy spoon, right, everything fits, and we've also got just the way we follow the people around, you know, so the way the camera will track someone, it's always at a distance that makes sense for the moment, right? So however you're meant to feel within that scene, right? It it works. So if it's like an intense moment, we might be in close, you know what I mean, or it might be a um you know, from their perspective, and it's moving, and you're like, okay, yeah, 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 got it, good, and so, you know, it works, right, now, some of this stuff is at night, but it's never too dark, where you can't see what's going on, and that, that's all, that's a huge thing, there's sometimes with these films, yeah, you've got the scenes in the dark, but you're just like, oh, wait, I missed that bit, Ah, what's happening, and it can get a little frustrated, but this, no, you enjoy it, right, you enjoy it, the, the dialogue works, again, the one, some of the dialogue, like the conversations around the queen and all of that, you think, huh, I'm not sure, this seems a bit weird, right, now, what you then learn later on, makes everything make sense, right, there is a, well, the plot goes in kind of a way like a classic film, there is a classic film that you feel definitely influenced from with one of the characters well maybe two of the characters if you'll you'll understand right and I will say that maybe there are moments where this could have been done just slightly differently where the hmm the understanding of that moment is just a little bit different, right? Which then wouldn't even bring into doubt a certain thing. So there is that. But other than that, right? I I will say, other than that, everything does work really well. You know, ain't just the little twists and the turns, the, um, the smarminess of some people, the reluctance of situations. You're like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And when there is this realization towards the end, I will say, it, it does, you are like, oh, okay. Okay, nice, yeah, 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 yeah. that, that works, I like that, and and that's even with the, um, the food, right, because I will say the food, you do kind of guess what's gonna happen, although not to the extent right you you're not quite sure which way it will completely play but you kind of understand okay right 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 but the, the then the explanation of the of the thing is like ah in yes yes so yeah all the film it all it all works right the the flow of it works the story does make sense even with the twists and the turns and the nuances and everything like that you do go yes i do buy that right i buy it so uh uh, yeah, I would say definitely you need to check this out. Right, you need to check it out. Just for, the, just, the, like ah, uh, the end twist for for real. You know what I mean? I would I would say do it, do it, check it. Is it really enjoyable? And I've I've kind of feel it's probably the best British gangster film I have seen. In a long while. Definitely the best British gangster film I've seen in a long while. Good story. Really good performances. You know? Like, just everything. Like, the, the, the way the music fits within the film. The cinematography. Everything. And even with the ending. Yeah. Just the very ending. The way. Like. I liked it. I liked the ambiguity of it all. So, um, go check it out, people, you know what I mean? It's going to, uh, you know, it's gonna hit your cinema screens first, which, hey, so so it should, right? So you'll be able to see it in the cinema, okay? Um, on the 11th, right? But Then just a few days later, it will hit your uh, digital releases. So, on Monday, you know what I mean? You will be able to, uh, yeah, download it if you still aren't feeling comfortable about going to the cinema. And then, just after Christmas, right, on the 28th, you can pick up the DVD, so, um, you know, there will be... There's a pre-order link for the DVD. So, you know, get all that sorted out. So, hey, on the day, you don't even have to leave any, your house. You can sit there with your turkey, with your... You know what I mean? Whatever little tipple you like, boom. In your letterbox, your DVD, you'll be able to watch it. You know what I mean? So you've got that. There's also a pre-order link for the... um. Digital download. So yeah, it's all taken care of. You people just go to the information for the episode. It's on the webpage, right? It's all there. Okay, so I would say now in the um, in the press kit they say if you like bound by bound by blood and once upon a time in London you'll enjoy this, but I kind of feel, if you just like gangster films, right, if you like gangster films and interesting storytelling, yeah, you will dig this, right, it's not fast-paced as um, a casino, or, um, you know, uh, or a uh, Goodfellas, right but the story is just as compelling okay so people on the 11th go check it out silent night now that is if cinemas open you know (laughs) fingers crossed they do but even if they don't monday digital download so either way you will get to enjoy this and it is great british filmmaking so go support not just because it's british but because it's good all right silent night people ho ho boom boom so it is finally here mank has hit netflix and um yeah i was eager to see what this was gonna be right it was that film that had been talked about for, uh, god damn, for months, maybe a year, right? You know, it was always mentioned when people talked about potential Oscar winners, potential award winners, things to look out for, but I never really heard what it was about, right? So... Yeah, there was always, huh, what is this film? You know, mank, right? Now, um, I remember as a kid, like, mank, that was like, ugh. You know what I mean? God damn it, that's manky, right? Or it was a, you know, a, a term for people from Manchester. You know what I mean? Mancurians, manks. So it was just like, what the fuck was this film? But you knew, hey, it's a Fincher film, right? It, it the cast, like Gary Oldman, Amanda Seyfried, you only know I mean? just like Toppence Middleton. It was just a great cast. So you're thinking, all right, whatever the fuck it is, it should be good, <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, I gave it a watch. Right, so obviously, like right, directed by David Fincher, you know, um, with a screenplay from his dad. Huh? Yeah, I didn't even know his dad was a screenwriter. You know, so that's kind of that was a surprise. Right? It's produced by Cian Chaffin, Eric Roof, Douglas Ubanksky, and um. The music was Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, so straight away, you know. I mean, that tells you something. Cinematography is Eric uh, Messerschmidt, edited by Kirk Baxter. And as I said, look, the cast was, you know, tremendous. Gary Oldman plays Herman J. Mankiewicz. Amanda Seaford is Marion Davis. Lily Collins is Rita Alexander. Um, Mankovich is uh, you know secretary. At Aralis Howard is Louis B Meyer. Tom Pelfrey is uh, Joseph L Mankovich, Herman's brother. Sam Troughton is John Hoosman. Ferdinand Kingsley's Irvin tauberg Tuppence Middleton is Sarah Mankovich, Herman's wife. Tom Burke is Orson Wells. You know, Joseph Cross is Charles Leder. Oh, we got Bill Nye is Upton Sinclair. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is just yeah. It is tremendous. Oh, and, you know, we uh, shouldn't, um, yeah, shouldn't forget Charles, yeah, Charles Dance, who uh, plays William Randolph Hearst, you know, it's just a great cast, and the, uh, the story is 1930s Hollywood, is re-evaluated through the eyes of scathing social critic and alcoholic screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz as he races to finish the screenplay of Citizen Kane. So, that did have me a little bit worried, you know, because I... I've never actually watched Citizen Kane. Yes, I know... But um I don't know, it's just one of those things that I have with so many things to watch and so many things to do. There's things that just, you know, you mean like, ah, I'll get to it. And you you don't, you know, for a while. Hey, I only read Moby Dick, you know, a few years ago. Sorely disappointed. But um, hey-ho. I think, like, this It's, you know, I think when you look at things Fincher has done, right? Do you look at the films Fincher has directed? I do not believe that you would kind of put him with this film. You know what I mean? Like, hey, and he has worked on some troubled pictures. You know, we all know the issues that came with bloody uh, Alien free. And then there's the the problems with Fight Club. You know, and the fact that he's you know, he's had films that people kind of slept on. You know, because I just think seven, the game fight club, they weren't really looked at as great films when they came out. You know, it is kind of in retrospect that people talk about them, which is kind of funny, there's people that probably slated them back when they came, and now lord over them, which is kind of ludicrous, but, uh, yeah, he's not done a film like this, which is interesting, and I like it, right, I like the fact that he's gone against his own grain, you know, created something that's different, And that you can just look at it not as, well, was it as good as, you know, you can look at it with fresh eyes and as, you know, this new entity. And because it's about old Hollywood, he, yeah, he filmed it in black and white, right? You can see the, um, I forget what they're called, because there is a name for them, you know, like, I... As a, as a projectionist, I mean, we always just refer to them as real markers, you know, because it was like an indicator of, you know, when the reel was ending and you had to change it and the new reel was starting, right? It was these little black flashes that you would see at the top right-hand corner of the screen. So it's got everything, all of these little things. And picture-wise, it does look pretty spectacular you know just everything is just man it's great you know it's got that, just the way we move about the screen the different things that get the focus you know it's black and white but yeah there's still clarity in everything now black and white does have its issues i mean I don't know. For me, anyway. Because it's harder to see um, the contrast in some things and and stuff like that. But it is... I think it is nice to see this in black and white. You know, it probably... I'm, I'm sure it would have worked in color. Right? But, yeah, there is just something about watching it in black and white that really... Brings you into that kind of era, you know, lets you breathe the air of it all, which, yeah, I have very much enjoyed, and the performances, (laughs) oh my days, the performances, oh my, they were tremendous, right, we had some great performances here. I didn't even recognize Gary Oldman. You know what I mean? I didn't recognize Oldman as, uh, you know, Mank. He was, yeah, he was great. You know? I think mean, I thought um, Amanda Seafield, she was very good as well. Like, I kind of think the standouts really were, you know, Oldman, Seyford, um, yeah, Middleton, you know, At Burke. Yes, yeah, definitely Burke. Uh, I'd say dance too. You know, um, yeah. I would say they they really stood out. I oh, uh, you know what? I I should. You know, Howard was very good as Mayor. I I I feel they had this. They had the most focus, really. You know, I you know I, Pelfrey as well. Yes, Pelfrey as well. Uh, be fair. I think they had the most felt the most focus, and we were able to, I, I'd say, get a sense, a real sense for those characters. You know what I mean? Um. Yeah. I Guzman good Gu- yeah she was very good too actually. You know f- f- remembering. Um now other people like Collins Collins was good right but the character itself mm, like you didn't really get much of it. You know? And so there was some people that were good. The very fair- still good like I can't look at this film and go that person just mm. if if they had been you know if they could have held up their end no everyone held up their end everyone was good but some people just shone you understand what I'm saying here and um yeah there were so many people so that's you know it's kind of bound to happen when you have something like this also the story, it jumps a lot, right, we're going back in time, you know, to different kind of periods, which you know, means that, yeah, some people just have more focus, you know, I did think that, you know, because we kind of had these, uh, Ursh, there is a name for it as well, I forget, like, these place settings, you know, that would kind of indicate. I did, you know, the way they kind of appeared was, you know, it was kind of quaint, right? Because the text would come on screen like if, if it was typed and then dropped out. So, it's like a typewriter, right? So, you'd get these things and it would then indicate the place, like, you know, the year, And all of this kind of thing. (sighs) Like, I just thought they were difficult, right? I mean, just because the font that they used. And they weren't on screen for a great long period of time. So, it was hard to see a lot of these. You know, so, yeah, trying to figure out the, the, the different time periods and all of this. That was a little difficult. Now, look, you understood that. Oh, this is ref- this is this. So it's referring to that, which means it's, huh? It's further back than blah blah blah. So you could you could kind of work it out to an extent, like, but you didn't know the year. The year, you understand? Um, so that was a bit uh, problematic and i kind of think it it does take away a little of the investment in some people right because we're just jumping and we're moving you know and it's just yeah it's the fluidity of things gets a little bit lost you know and you can lose track of some kind of relationships and how then that bleeds into and that bleeds into, and oh right, so that's why there's animosity there, and ah uh, yes, I remember because blah blah blah. But you know, that's a little thing I would say. You no, know, the the look, as we find with pretty much all of Finch's films, the, this, you know, the, um, yeah, the dialogue is very sharp, the dialogue is very sharp, and it flows very well, like, it is rather pithy, you know, but it it does that thing that, yeah, films of that time were this they did have that cadence people did speak in that manner that just came off a little little bit too refined and fake you know you know what I mean people don't talk like that (laughs) and like if they do like it's one or two not a whole group it's that Dawson Creek thing you know where everyone everyone speaks in the same manner and you're just like no shut up <laughs> what are you doing you are all ludicrous people but uh yes it but it you know it is an affectation of the time you watch films from uh, that uh you know period and yeah that, that's that's it they talk in that manner so it it keyed into that so it works but even without like the odd cadence it is still sharp dialogue, it still moves very well, you know, you are compelled, and it does then bring you into, um, you know, Mankovic as a person, right, as a writer, and you are, you are very much, you know, gripped by him, you you're wanting to see how it all plays out, you know, does he win, right? What happens? How's it all end? That's one of the big things here. The you you are very much involved. So you know, he is your uh, he's your Earth, right? And everyone else is revolving around him, or is that the other way around, Ah. oh dear (laughs) but yo it it does work right i i was very much gripped I, i very much enjoyed this film you know it with all just you know with those little things that were a little problematic in places you know like the the text on the screen which is just something that is always just frustrating and irritating I mean, just say it. Like, there's other ways you could indicate these things, you know? Or just make the text bloody bigger. You know, make it clearer. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's just, like, there's, yes, these little minor things for a, for a slight distraction, a, a slight deterrence. But all in all, this is a extremely good film, you know? Very enjoyable, great score. But as I said, you know, you know what I mean? when you when you see the people involved, you know, Resner and Ross, they always give us a good score and a different score. I mean, that's the, one of the joys of that pairing. Like, it's not, oh yeah, it, you can tell it's them. Now you can tell. It, a Resner and Ross score, which is very remarkable, right, I know, I, I, it's hard to put into words, but it's never the same, right, it's never the same, but they do have that distinct, I guess, feel, essence to them, so yes, the score was great, the acting, the direction, <sighs> I, it, it's just a film that is well worth Watching, you know, like it's just over two hours, you know, one hundred and thirty-one minutes, but I, I never really felt it dragged, you know. I, I was never, you know, looking for a distraction, and uh, as um, <laughs> as uh, you know, Matt Sarah and his movie minutes might say. There were no pee breaks. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a film that is, um, yeah, I'd say check it out. It has got me. It is like I enjoyed the film so much. I'm kind of feeling I should sit down and watch Citizens Kane very soon. I just have to find it now. <laughs> I will make that a mission for for over Christmas, maybe. <laughs> Well, when I do, I will talk about it here, okay? We'll have that deal, so you'll know how uh, how slack I've been or not. <laughs> but, yes, no, it has got me interested in that. So, um, yes, people, yeah, I think if you like Fincher, right, if you like Fincher, then you will want to watch this film. You know, like Netflix had that, um, oh, Gosh, I'm going to forget what the bloody thing was called. But they had that Olson Wells film. Um you know, there was the making of, and then they uh yeah, then they produced finished off his last ever piece. Remember? Um that was a few years ago. I think that was 2018, maybe, something like that. But um, yeah, you know, if you like that. Then you will like this. You know, if if you just like a sharp film, you know, if you liked bloody, um, oh, God, Ryan Murphy's Hollywood. You know, like, that's of the era, right? You like those sort of historical pieces, then, yes, you will enjoy Mank. So, people, it is on Netflix, so that means it's there. You can watch it forever. You yeah, know, well, unless Netflix go bust. But I can't see it. So, yeah, it's on Netflix. Go check it out at your leisure. But I'd say, you know, do it soon. It's very good. Okay? <laughs> Okay, people, so we draw to a close on another episode, and um yeah, it seems a lot of stuff has been going down. Okay, well, firstly, this is an interesting one, right? So things have been changing in Matthew Vaughan's Marv group, you know, so he's recently hired, um, you know. Zig Kamasa To uh, help With um, Stuff freeing him up to Concentrate on expanding Their content And one of the things they Seem to be looking to expand Is the Kingsman Universe which is because we know that there's the prequel film, the Kingsman, was meant to come out this year, but it's pushed back till next year. So we knew that, and then after that, there would be a third Kingsman film, which Egerton had said would be his last, like the the conclusion of his arc, right? And then there's the reported Kingsman TV series that's in the work, but supposedly. They're uh, Yeah planning for uh, At least I don't know Seven more films Which I don't know if I'm ready for (laughs) I think we need to see What A King's Man is like And what the TV show is like To see if potentially This has more legs Because the second film Mm, little dice, little dicey. You feel me? <laughs> okay. So, if people had wondered what the hell Neil Blomkamp was up to, because since um Chappie came out in 2015, there's been nothing. You know, there was reports that he was doing an alien film. You know, and then I think he was attached supposedly to a potential predator film But then nothing ever came out of that Well, it would seem that, you know, during the summer He filmed a, uh, a horror film in British Columbia Yeah, now, everything is kind of harsh, harsh on the situation But, um... Yeah, they, they figured that it should be uh, ready to go later next year. So, um, yeah. Let's see what happens with... Uh, let's see what happens with that. And if he can, you know, come out with a banger. Right? I don't know. We will see. I'm very intrigued, people. Now, something else that seems a little intriguing is... Um, yeah, DC, right? So um, they have just hired Kat Vasca to write a new um, Plastic Man film. But what they seem to be wanting to do with this one is um, switch things around, right? So in the comics, pa- Plastic Man is Patrick O'Brien, you yeah. know? He was a crook. Doused in a mysterious chemical which, um, you know, gave him his shape-shifting, plasticky, stretchy abilities. But it seems in this new version, Patrick will be Patricia. I mean, they haven't given them a name, but basically, yeah, they are switching the sex of the character. Which is interesting because I thought... Yeah there was a plastic woman You know I I, I, I swear there was a plastic Man cartoon back in the day And yeah there was a plastic woman And a plastic kid I might have made that up (laughs) That might never have happened But uh, that's what I remember But uh, yeah Now this is all early stages So you know I I, I, imagine Probably sometime next year We'll hear more Of this whole thing But yeah, that's what's currently In the works Something else that seems to be um, You know, in the works Right now Finally there seems to be some movement On the I mean it's been talked about For years, right? But the Metal Gear Solid film Um, And uh, yeah They have signed Oscar Isaac to play um Solid Snake? Is that my man's name? I don't know. Like the uh, yeah, the the guy in um <laughs> in the computer games, right? That's what it would seem to be. Yeah, so um Jordan Voigt Roberts, he's um directing the film, and Derek Connolly has written a script. So, uh, yeah, I don't know Avid Arid is producing it And we'll have to see um, Yeah, how all of this comes about Because, I don't know They've been talking about this for a long ass time So yeah, we will see We'll see how this develops, right? Um, Something that is getting made is a uh, a Dogman film at DreamWorks and Universal Pictures. So um, this is f- from uh, well, Peter Hastings is um, he's um, going to be directing the film, right? And um, I think he's writing it as well. Right, So it's an adaptation of Yeah The Dav Pilkey Graphic novel series uh, Which follows The adventures of a lovable Canine superhero And his friends Like the curious kitten Lillipedy <laughs> So um <coughs> Yeah I don't know man This could spawn a few things Because Yeah, Pilky also did the seemingly popular Captain Underpants. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's in the works. I don't know if it's aimed at me. (laughs) Oh, bad. So, um, other stuff that is uh, going down. Um, So, Netflix have just picked up the... um, Edward Berger Adaptation of um, All Quiet on the Western Front Which was f- Originally by Erich Maria Remer I don't know, it is a, a book Right, from the 19 uh, 1929 So um, Yeah I think. come um, you know, Ian Stockall, um And Leslie Patterson Have written this new script And um, Yeah I don't know They're uh, Yeah, I don't know They're creating this new thing, right? So it looks like it's going to go into production in March um, And it will be starring uh, Daniel Brühl Hmm Yeah Okay So Yeah I don't know Could be interesting You know They've made a few um, Yeah a few versions of this So It'll be If it can stand up Right um, Now One New thing that's coming Is uh, A film At MGM Called Reunion So this is from Matt B- Betanelini Olpin Tyler Gillett And Chad Viella. Otherwise seemingly known as Radio Silence They'll be directing uh, With Guy Buzik And uh, Christopher Murray Creating the script Right so um, Basically It's about the horrific experience Of high school reunions Um, Yeah, with a a group of uninspired old friends Become the only hope for survival Against an unwelcome, shape-shifting creature Hmm, I don't know We'll have to wait and see on that one Uh, Well, I think... Recently there's been shots of Chris Pratt on social media in a gi right well i feel it, that has all become clear now because um yeah pratt is uh signed on to star in a new film um from Randall Green uh called Black belt Well the black belt Right Um so yeah Green has um written a script About um Yeah a shy unassuming Teen boy on a quest For an expertise In karate And his unorthodox Uncle who Pratt will be Playing guides him along On his journey So um yeah, Pratt, along with John uh, Schumacher, Steve Barnett, and Alan Powell, will be producing the film. So, yeah, there you go, people. There is a, that. So, um, yeah, we will be seeing a lot of Pratt next year, it would seem. Um, now, Adam McKay has got a, a new film. Right, so it is called Don't Look Up And it has got a Huge, huge Huge cast of uh, Some very talented People, right It's got Leonardo DiCaprio Jennifer Lawrence, Jonah Hill Timothy Chalamet, Arena Grande, Kid Cudi Matthew Perry Himish Patel Thomas Sisley, Tyler Perry, Melin, Mel, Melanie Limsky, and Ron Perlman. And it has also just been announced that Meryl Shreep will be um, have a starring role in the piece and she is gonna be playing the president of the United States. Yeah. That is correct. So, the story is about two low level astronomers who must go on a giant media tour to warn mankind of an approaching asteroid that will destroy planet Earth. So, um, yeah, all right, we have that to uh, look forward to. Could be funny, people. Fingers crossed that it is. Now, Queen Latifah has just, um, yeah, snagged a new film that she'll be starring in and executive producing. It's called End of the Road, right? Um, Millicent Shelton is uh, directing the piece and it's about a recently widowed Woman called Brenda Who drives her family cross country To start a new life after losing Her job While isolated in the desert in New Mexico The family must learn to Fight back when they become Targeted by a mysterious Killer Hmm So David Lowry Wrote the script Um Um Tracy Edmonds, Mark Burg and Brad Kaplan are uh, direct, uh, producing even and it will be coming to Netflix so uh, yeah there is that people um, so something that is very interesting right? we've spoken about it um, earlier on in the episode But uh, yeah this whole Warner Brothers HBO situation um, Now A big part of the uh, I think Anguish from some parties Is you know as Nolan said Warner Brothers Didn't consult with Anyone on the decision And that doesn't just mean actors and directors They didn't even speak to some of their partners <laughs> And one of those partners is not happy Not happy at all And that's Legendary Pictures You know, who we know have worked with Warners a lot in the past Now, the two big films that they worked on Are, um, June. And Godzilla v. Kong And it is said that Legendary fronted A whole Whole stack of change On those films You know what I mean Supposedly 75% Of the budget Right 75% of the production budget On those films Which is Crazy and you'd kind of feel that yeah they'd be consulted about this situation because they want to recoup that cash you know what i mean so um yeah the word is that they are sending cease and desist letters to Warner Media you know and the other thing that seems to be rankling is the fact that there was a point when um you know, Legendary could have sold off those films, so recouping all the money that was spent. You know, so, um, and it, th- this kind of rings true because there was a lot of rumblings at one point earlier in the year that Netflix were going to pick up Godzilla v. Kong. Supposedly, Netflix were offering, you know, in the region of 250 million for just that film. You know what I mean? But Warners blocked the situation. So it couldn't happen. And now. Warners are putting it on their HBO Max. So this is a situation that uh, isn't going to be going away anytime soon. We will uh, look forward to um, the developments in that one. So. um. Uh, A film that came out earlier in the year to some pretty big success was um, Extraction. So, it it was by the Russo Brothers and it hit Netflix. And yeah, it was really good. The ending was a little ambiguous and um, we had been told that there would be a sequel. Now, also, the Russo Brothers had picked up the rights to Mark Greeny's Grey Man um, book series, and recently, at a, um, film convention, CCXP, they basically broke down what they're looking to do with, um, with all of that, so, um, this is, oh, what they said, right, um, We're guys who grew up on a steady diet of action thrillers. The cast is exceptional. The script is excellent. Oh, this is in reference to The Gray Man. Uh, We start shooting at the end of January here in Los Angeles and then we have some work overseas in Europe after that in the spring. We have an incredible team and Netflix has been very supportive. COVID hasn't impacted our location shooting. Um, This is a big global spy thriller. Its intent is it's going to hit a lot of different locations and we're still going to film in those locations. We're excited about that because it's really important to the storytelling that we visit these different locations. And then they um, had this to say about the extraction film. We are working at building out a universe of films that could potentially explore some of the other characters from the first movie and some new characters and see more historical interaction between the characters. So if you're interested in David Harbour's character, you just may get to see him in a future Extraction movie. So um, yeah, there you have it on that. And I have to say... Um, I've been enjoying the Gray Man books and I enjoyed Extraction so I'm looking forward to both of those. So um yeah people we we talked about it last um hmm no it was uh on Echoes Echoes from the Void right uh the, there was room, rumors that Disney Plus and Hulu were going to merge now I thought it's probably not going to happen because, you know, Hulu makes money for uh, Disney So everything was going to be revealed at an investor meeting That investor meeting, people, has happened And a whole bunch of stuff has dropped So let's get into it, right? So um, Daisy Ridley she is just, uh, you know, being uh, grabbed to um, be in a new Disney Plus film. Uh, it's going to be directed by Jeff Nathanson. Um, and it is. No, my bad. Sorry. Joachim Ronin directed it and Jeff Nathanson wrote the script and the film is called Young Woman and the Sea. Right? The story is based on the book by Glenn Stout and chronicles the daring journey of Gertrude Trudy Erderly the daughter of a German butcher from Manhattan and a competitive swimmer who won gold in the 1924 Olympics then she decided to attempt crossing the English Channel the first woman to ever swim across the 21 mile stretch of sea which she did in 1926 Whew. so Jerry Brockheimer and Chad Oman Are going to be producing the film as well Now Another big thing that came Out of this whole investor Meeting was What's actually Happening with Disney Plus right? Because at the moment It was very family friendly But obviously look Disney they bought 20th Century Fox And they also Themselves have Some adult content So, what was going to happen with that? Well, people. So, in America, that content was going to Hulu for the most part. Right? But, Hulu's only American-centric. I think it's in Canada too. Right? Maybe some Latin America. But not in Europe. So, this is the plan. Disney are, um, yeah, they're setting up a new stream... On Disney Plus So right now you've got You know um, Pixar You've got uh, Marvel And you've got a Disney one right And National Geographic as well But Now There's going to be a star stream uh, Where all the adult content is But They're being kind of smart about it And I do Like this Right So So kids Don't stumble upon the content It's not just going to appear Right You're going to have to go into The back end of the system And um, Opt into it right? Set up a password So only you get An adult can access it Yeah, it's pretty smart And then this whole New section You're going to find All the 20th century Fox stuff You know, stuff like Kingsman, they're saying Logan and Atlanta, and I loved Atlanta, so um, I'm yeah, that's awesome. Now, it will be hitting on the 23rd of February next year, Um, but yeah, that's just internationally. You know, the US are gonna be sticking with Hulu, so all you Hulu fans don't fear you're not losing your service now this is going to mean that um yeah disney plus is gonna go up plus two pounds and i can handle that i feel two pounds isn't a lot for um, all this new content because i think i think at the moment disney plus is six pounds right so that's eight pounds it just makes it along the same lines as netflix and those other things, so it's all good Right um, Interestingly enough Right, Latin America is Going to get an extra tile In June next year Called Star Plus Which will be um, Yeah, offering Like Local Like entertainment shows Original content Live sport and movies but you know Latin American flavoured fair but uh that is all very yeah that's very friggin' interesting I kind of feel right um so some other stuff that kinda came out of all of this meetings and Call is um the ESPN Plus, all of that content will be um, available through Hulu. Yeah, so uh, you know, what I mean, they're definitely planning, man, they're expanding stuff. And also, Hulu is gonna be developing films through Twentieth uh, Century Studios and Searchlight Pictures. So, yeah, there's going to be a, a wave of new content generation happening over, um, yeah, at Hulu So, um, yeah, that service definitely isn't going to be dying <laughs> Now, um, one of the other big things that has um, come out of all of this is they're going to be experimenting a little bit so in march next year Raya and the Last Dragon will be coming out and yeah disney are going to be trying a, a day and day release so that's the only film that they said they will be doing with this with at the moment and if they do it again it is going to be here and there it's not across the board like Warner's is doing but um it does mean that um yeah when Raya does drop if you don't want to go to the cinema you'll be able to watch it on uh, Disney plus i imagine in the same way that um Mulan dropped right so, um people If you think that is Enough, that is not Because there is more So, remember a little While back, right The whole Star Wars universe Had been kind of put on hold Well, we have now Got developments And this is Pretty big Patty Jenkins, right The, um, famed director You know what I mean, she's Created some really big films She has just been hired to direct Rogue Squadron Yeah So it looks like this will be the next Star Wars film to drop And they're looking at Christmas Day 2023 So the film is... um. I think you can probably guess, right? It's about, Thai, you know, the um, fighters um, of the, uh, it's a TIE fighter, right? I think that's the name of that spacey ship that they fly. Yeah. Um, I, like, I wonder if it will be based on the... Uh, the marvel comic that is i feel that i think it's a comic or it's a mini series but yeah there is a comic and i think at dark horse that they, they'd also brought out comics about the rogue squadron the tie fighters and all of no 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 tie fighter is the the bad guys right i don't know what the the good the rebellion called their ships but you know what I'm talking about people but yes so um that film is coming um they've also talked about the um takawatiti um film that is currently also in development and there will also be a droid story which is gonna be animated and that will be a Disney plus exclusive So, some pretty big news And especially grabbing Patty Jenkins Who has been a little DC-centric of late Now, people, this is I kind of feel this is the biggest news And so we're going to end on this Right, so we know there's a third Spider-Man film That is currently in production You know what I mean? John Watts He's directing it And yeah It it supposedly is going to be coming out On the 21st of December Next year Well I think there had been rumblings Right There was a lot of rumblings About Andrew Garfield And Tobey Maguire Well people I think all the news has now dropped Right So um, yeah those characters those iterations of Peter Parker are supposedly coming to this film along with the love interests so Kirsten Dunst and Emma Stone they're on board as well that's not all people that isn't all because we're also getting um uh what is his name Alfred Molina that's it I was gonna say, Andrew is Alfred Molina. He is coming back as Doctor Otto Octavius. Yeah, as well as Jamie Fox, who who played Electro, and um, you know Benedict Cumberbunch will be there as Doctor Strange. So I think we can assume there's gonna be some multiverse action. Some uh, multiple reality situations going down, but I am intrigued, people. I am crazy intrigued, and I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see what happens because, yo, I have to say, I feel that the uh, yeah, the um, those two films they were great. I love those two Tom Holland Spider-Man films. And um, I'm looking forward to this third one. But people, that's us. I think we're done. I think we've outstayed our welcome people. So, people, share with your friends. Leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, all of that jazz. Share with your peoples. And we will see you next Thursday. But people, do not forget... Sci-Fi London, it is happening, um, for the rest of the week Alright, ends on Sunday people, so go check that out You know, there's content on YouTube I, I did the interview with Sean McKeever I'm speaking with, um, Amy Rutledge Tomorrow, and, um Christopher Soren Kelly and Jessica Clark Graham Also about the tangle So make sure you go Check that out Alright people we are Out because we've been spicy Peace